passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. I'm Mike Chipos, man. I got this, yeah. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time to listen to Reese and Dan on the Ankle Pick Pod. Welcome back, Ankle Pickers. We are here for yet another episode of the APP. For those who are on Twitter, you know that our boy Danny, who's in here with us, got active at PFL. Country Club Kobe's been hitting the Twitter spot. Game plan slash agenda today. We're going to hit the recap first of last week's UFC card, Luke Bala uh, Muhammad. We're going to spin it over to Danny to hear all about the different PFL and what we got as far as content goes for that. We're going to move on to news and notes, which Country Club Kobe lives for. And then we're going to break down this week's UFC card, Jessica Andrade for versus Amanda Lemos. So we got a lot on deck today, and we're also in a bit of a time crutch here. The APP boys got a lot going on. Gents, how are you feeling this Thursday? And then we'll get into it. Incredible. Still riding off that high from last night, but just an awesome week. Yeah, I was stoked for Danny last night. It was looked like it was a blast. And yeah, it was a meme card and all. And we'll get a lot of more PFL coming, too, and different contents. And then uh, Kobe just got his fair share of roasting for his T-shirt. And for those who do check us out on YouTube, and if you don't yet, that's an incentive. It is quite the polo that he's got ripping this Thursday afternoon. Okay. He said he wore it to work too. Yeah. Which is, which is all the more reason why he's going to get fired and start working APP full time. So I, here, here's something I want to spend two to three minutes on and there's no way around it. And that is the rules around DQs and technical decisions. So for Kyle Barilio and uh, Omar, Omar Gadzaev for one, and then there was another one with uh, Martin Boudet versus Chris Barnett. Both ended via unanimous decision after an illegal strike was thrown by the victor. I guess I just want to kick that idea around a little bit because what happened is in Boudet, he threw an illegal elbow. Not the strike itself was illegal, but where it landed, back of the head. Barnett deemed unable to continue. He then found that it was going to the scorecards and pleaded to continue because he's like, oh, I'm about to lose this. Um, same thing for the co-main event fighter, uh, Godzi Omar Gadaev could not continue and it goes to this judge's scorecard for a decision. So we need to discuss this because there's a huge gray area between points being taken, um, disqualifications and apparently going to the judge's scorecard for a decision. It happened twice last Saturday. What do we make of this? 
I think it's just, for me, it's well, just a lot more confusion added to the mix. I mean, we saw a belt change hands because of a situation just like these, but a situation that was handed completely, handled completely opposite. Um, I, to me, it just makes no sense how either of those guys got their hand raised. If you're going to say that, one, their opponent can't continue, and two, those were illegal shots, it, it, to me, it's got to be a no contest. I just, I'm more confused than anything else. Yeah, it adds a ton of confusion to the table. And here's the problem, is exactly what you said. Title bouts have uh, with Algernon Sterling has changed hands. The title has literally changed hands because of an illegal strike DQ from someone who's winning the fight. This then brings into the question, I don't know if you remember the Anthony Smith-John Jones fight. John Jones threw an illegal knee up the middle in the fourth round. Anthony Smith elected to continue and didn't take his way out, even though he could have gotten the belt there. This is where the problem comes into play because you got guys where if they are winning the fight, apparently you can throw an illegal strike and it goes to the judge's scorecard. Both of these gentlemen who threw the illegal strike and ended up winning were dominating the fight. I think that played a factor in allowing this to go to the judge's scorecards where if they were, if they were getting dominated and they throw an illegal strike, they just call out a DQ and move on because they didn't want the win to change hands from my, from my vantage point on the situation. The reason why I want to bring it up, though, is just because we've seen belts change hands on it. We've seen guys elect not to have the belt change hands on it. We've seen Aljamain Sterling get extreme backlash, being called a faker, um, saying he embellished it, he wasn't concussed. So you're putting these fighters in a position where – they need to decide if they can continue or not for the fate of them getting a victory, even though it wasn't their fault. It's, it's weird. Um, and so I wanted to catch your opinion on it. If you want to hear more about this, um, Dan Hardy does a great breakdown on his opinion of it. And that's from an actual fighter. Uh, I'll link it in the description box, but it's also just over at full reptile. He does good stuff over there. Okay. Um, Dan, Drakkar close. He didn't, we, we talked and we even made a tweet. He, we talked about how, you know, he was still feeling the ramifications of the Jeremy Stevens push, which Jeremy Stevens will be talked about later in the show. And that Brandon Jenkins, although he is trash, had a spot at plus 425. Here, here's what I want to make of it for the listeners. I still think we were on the right read. I don't think Dracar close, although he looked good. I think it was more just Brandon Jenkins truly is not UFC caliber. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, there were definitely spots where Dracar didn't look dominant, but overall I didn't see a ton of opportunities for Brandon to really capitalize or get any momentum going in his direction. Um, did you officially place Kevin Kroom? I actually, crazy enough, I, I didn't officially place anything last week. I Ooh. was untracked oh, and okay. un, nothing for, for one week. Before we jump off of Dracar yeah. close, he got performance bonus too. Okay, Drakkar Close did. Did Alatang Haley get anything? Nope. Okay. Uh, Alatang Haley had a really quick KO, TKO over Kevin Kroom. Um, Sam Hughes wins for the science. Moving up. Oh, I want to talk about Rafa Garcia for a second because we both were on uh, Jesse Ronson last week just from how bad uh, Rafa Garcia looked his last time out. I know I watched a lot of other people in the lead up to this fight mentioning that fight where Rafa just couldn't get anything off. I think he looked great. I think it seemed like he remedied a lot of what was causing him so much problems and so much backlash. I agree. Yeah. He really impressed me a huge bounce back performance from him. Uh, and 
just a major step in the right direction against Jesse Ronson, who is very tough and is very well-rounded and is a gamer. I agree. So my minus 320 that I got before a massive steam up, Piene Kianzad beats Lena Landsberg, the unanimous decision, but a lot closer than I thought. Lena Landsberg, even at the age of 40, brought a lot. This was a war. If you missed this one, and you know Danny and I aren't sitting here saying that we're not like the best cappers of women's MMA, but this was a hell of a bout. This one, this one was applaud worthy. They just uh, kind of duked it out in all assets of, the, uh, of mixed martial arts. Bloody too. That yeah. image right after of uh, the two front teeth missing is wow, just right? one of those. Inf- it, it, that's going to go down in history. It's just one of those MMA pictures that never goes away. It's just such a scene. Yep. And and then that also reminds me of the before and after of Bonner Griffin pictures that have become infamous. It's just something people couldn't understand if they're not fans of the sport. Okay. Um, Devin Clark looked phenomenal. This fight was up at heavyweight against William Knight. I had this one going in William Knight's way. Devin Clark got the job done with a vicious elbow um, that landed. And, and then he followed it up with some hooks to get the KOTKO. But I don't know. I mean, do you think these guys stick around at heavyweight? Do you think there's a move for either of them back down to light heavyweight? I mean, Devin I Clark- think that Devin Clark is a small, small heavyweight. And I, I don't think that I don't think that he should stick around. I think that he's got to make the move back. William Knight. I mean, that, that man's stocky wherever he is. I don't I don't even think that moving down a light heavyweight is going to give him any kind of reach or height advantage that he's I mean, he's never had. He's never really needed it. But I think that he looked good at heavyweight. I think he probably felt a lot more natural up uh, like 50 pounds ahead of where he had weighed in last. And yeah, yeah I think he stays. Yeah. And we talked about how you know, I think last time he missed by like six or eight pounds to light heavyweight. So I don't know. William Knight might stay up there. I agree. I, I was, I've even debated when Devin Clark fought at 205, if he could get to 85, I've, I've had that thought before. Where I was like, he might have that frame. It's just so much weight in his legs, um, especially with that pressure wrestling. Munir Lizaz beats Ang- Angelusa. Pat Sabatini, unanimous decision over TJ Laramie. I, you know, I'm not mad about how TJ Laramie looked. I think Sabatini's just better all around at that facet of MMA, but like Laramie held his own in a couple scrambles and he, and he got some top control for, I think he had three, four minutes in a couple. So I, I you know, I, hats off to TJ Laramie coming in at four hundred dog. I think he well looked his price. I still stand by that bet. Uh, Marina Bueno Silva beats Yanan Wu to defy science. That was a unanimous decision, but that one was also kind of close. I think that was a 29-28 across the board. Okay, this one needs to be talked about. Andre Real quick, fight yeah. of the night for Yanan and Bueno Silva. Wow, that beat out Kianzad Landsberg. Wow. It did. Um, also, while we're here, that was a loss for science, but yep. Hughes's win was plus 220, so it more than covered the difference for the other two losses. Okay. So, easy. so 7.75 units on the year, still women's dogs. Yeah, so last week we went 0-3. This week was back. It only went 1-2, and two, but still profitable. I mean, it's those – what really makes the science work is those big women's dog lines that just – it's so hard to price. Well, a lot of times you really only have to go one for two to make profit. Yeah. Right. If any one of the dogs this week won, that was going to be a profitable night. And sure enough, here we are. Yeah. First one out the gate too. Um, Andre Fialo beats Miguel Baeza, uh, KOTKO. It, it was an uppercut that just really took the legs out from under Miguel Baeza. And I want to talk about this one because I'm always touting Miguel Baeza here. And I thought he looked great again. I've been saying this time and time again. It's like, 
Miguel Baeza looks great. When he got caught by Chaos Williams, he looked great. When he got caught by Andre Fialio here, he looked great. Is this a – I don't know, Dan. I don't know what to make of this. What, what are your thoughts? I mean, someone who's a little bit more unbiased in this fight because I'm just such a big Baeza fan. I think it's the like same Fialio. kind of stuff that he's been dealing with. It. It's the fight IQ. It, it's staying safe when you're on top or when you're leading, when you have the momentum. Um, it's something that he's had trouble with for the past couple of fights. It's, it's seems like, like you said, things are going well, things are going well. And then he puts himself into huge danger and it's over. Um, and I think that he's got to figure that out. It's an, to me, it's an IQ thing. He's just so well-rounded, like wherever the fight goes, I feel comfortable. And he was leading the exchanges. And that was the other thing too, is I want to give a quick hats off to, um, Andre Fialio just because of, Fajilo is how they were saying it, but just because he came in kind of out of nowhere and had a really tough draw against Michelle Pereira. And then he comes in again and has, in my opinion, a tough draw against Miguel Baeza and got the job done. So I I just want to give him a shout out too, because he packed some serious power and and actually can make a noises. I don't know necessarily a title contender, but a, a definite, a good fight time and time again. Was there any bonuses in that one, Kobe? Yep. That was your last performance bonus. Yeah. So well-deserved, too. I, he, he really performed well. So we talked about the co-main event. That was the – it was a complete ad- annihilation. But, again, an illegal strike. It was an illegal knee. And they went to the judge's scorecard. It, the problem was is, like, the doctors were looking at the judges, the judge – or the, um, the referee. The referee was looking at the doctor. They both were looking at Dana White. No one knew what the fuck to do. Um, and it really caused confusion. So both the guys who threw the illegal strike get away with unanimous decision, which – to me, just really does not make sense. Um, okay. You remember not to take, want to keep circled though going forward. He looked awesome. Not to take a major step yeah. backwards, but Incredible. do you remember the I think it was Mason Jones, Alon Patrick? I do where Mason yeah. beat the crap out of him for two rounds and was up on the cards, and then there was the accidental eye poke and it ends in no contest. What's the difference right. between see any I, of that? That's what I'm saying. Is it is it because it's an eye poke and it's not like an illegal strike that ends the fight and it but even exactly. in that case, to me, one seems like you have to have control of your weapons in the octagon. Like, it's intentional right. if it's a strike. Right. And in the eye poke, it should be go to the cards versus the no contest. I'm just so confused. Back no, to that. I agree. Or you could even look at it as, I don't remember how far the Mason Jones was into the fight, but, like, a lot of these guys. I guess the third also. In the third. So why didn't they take a point and go to the judge's scorecard? You know what I mean? That's the part that doesn't really make sense, and you're seeing it time and time again, and it's just – there's a huge, huge gray area between calling it a no contest, calling it a DQ, and intent is a lot behind it. And who's winning has a factor, which it shouldn't. And so, I don't know. I think the other thing, too, that's an interesting point to talk about is this sets up the ability for people to try to take advantage of this rule. And what I mean by that is, let's say you're up two rounds, okay? And you're going to the third round, and you get stung by one. You just get absolutely stung by one. You can throw an illegal knee, save yourself the three minutes, and go to the judges' scorecards and win. Like you can, you can intentionally throw an illegal knee, but then in Piotr Jan's case, it's like, oh, you know, they could have gone to the judges' scorecard, taken a point, he would have, he would have won, he would have retained his belt. So it's just so confusing, and I think that they need to map it out for the judges, the refs, the doctors, and the fans because it's leaving us puzzled. I've seen. Um, people talking about it online it's just an absolute mess 
With that being said, and I think that was the underlying storyline in the evening is just these illegal strikes by people, but uh, Bahelio and um, Budai, who who looked incredible outside of that strike. And so it was, I don't know, it's just weird and unfortunate to say the least. Okay, Bilal Muhammad took on Vicente Luque in the main event. And wow, uh, I think Bilal looked great and surprised many. I think Vicente Luque left a lot of people wondering why he didn't throw his weapons. I think a lot of that was the pressure that Bilal put on threatening the takedown. Um, you know, Dan, these guys are five and six in welterweight. And I know it's Thursday, so I'm sure the rankings have changed, but they're going to be right around there. I guess my question, and Kobe, you can chime in too, if you feel uh, like you have a say, but where does Vicente, Luque, and Bilal go from here? And like, what match would you like to see? And then also, what, what was the big takeaway from this fight because this is a big fight for the welterweight division and both two guys who are mainstays as well so i want to know kind of what you saw was a big takeaway and who you see next for these two i my biggest takeaway was Bilal's fight iq for real that man is so tough to beat and his wrestling one is good is great He's, he's phenomenally strong but you mentioned it the way that he could just confuse vicente and Every time Vicente thought that they were striking, the takedown came. Every time Vicente was defending takedowns, the strikes would hit. And the ball impressed me on the feet, too. Um, I think that he's got to get a real matchup. I think you got to go back to the same level of that Leon Edwards fight with another unfortunate no contest and whatever illegal stuff. Um, but I think he's got to go back to that level. He's earned it. Damian Maya, Stephen Thompson, Vicente Luque, three really impressive wins. Burns is a good call. Colby Covington was another one that a lot of people talked about because I think that if you had to say stylistically, those two are so parallels of each other. It'd be interesting to see who can implement their game. Luke always makes for a fun fight. I mean, you could main event Luke against any of those guys and you'll know you'll get a good fight. I mean, even this one that was slower in pace and Luke didn't let go for certain reasons. There were still moments where he had Bilal hurt and he was chasing up and close in the cage and, and cutting it off and it, so it is I funny know, i think I, we mentioned on our last week's episode that luke is a guy who's just okay to fight you in whatever style you want to fight and i right. did go to the Bilal style of just let's do a boring decision <laughs> i know i know well i'll overwhelm that that boring decision to get the job done but nonetheless like i know that's not the style that puts ass in seats and i think that's a lot of the reason why Bilal doesn't get the respect he deserves but like, like you said, I mean, he looks strong. The improvements from Vicente one to now are beyond noticeable and that it's time to give Bilal someone that can really test. Kind of like, a real contender. Yeah. yeah. And he didn't he, look he's good. He's fighting him. and winning against ranked fighters and looking awesome. Yeah. Let's give him a real contender fight. Let's see if he is that he's ready for that next step. I love it. I would almost like to see Luke versus Burns and Bilal versus Colby I know I know Burns probably won't take that fight but that would be a fun one yeah Burns and Luke I don't think we'll ever see them hit each other how fun would that be though they're stylistically they both throw really hard and they're both unreal off their back that'd be a lot of fun that that would be in a a three-round co-main just a war on a pay-per-view but nonetheless I think that the big takeaways are we got to figure out these technical decisions and we might make a one-off just talking about how to fix it and then we got Bilal Muhammad really really looking the part of a true 170 year um and then there's there's a lot of good performances all in all but outside that early finish you got 
it was a night of decisions, whether it was technical decisions or regular decisions. I think there was like five, six, seven total decisions. So long card, fun card, time to close the book on that chapter. Before we move to news and notes, and we're going to, I, I don't know what country club's been up to, but I know he's a reader. We're going to get to PFL Wednesday night, last night, we're recording this on Thursday, two nights ago, most likely by the time you're listening to this. PFL 2022 number one took place with Jeremy Stevens against Clay Collier as the main event. And none other than your DK, Dank Wagers, Danny, got to go press pass for APP and, you know, get some footage, pick the brains of some fighters and get some good seats to a great show. Dan, I'm just going to give you the floor. I'm not even going to ask you any questions, take it whatever direction you want to go. And then also just let them know what kind of content they can look forward to seeing as far as video goes, because I know you captured some great, great stuff. Yeah, it was spectacular. As Reese said, I mean, one of the best lineups PFL has ever put on, kickoff to their new season. Uh, so I'm sure that they didn't want to disappoint. And Ray Seffo even said in the post fight that um, it, it was part of the reason why they stacked this card so much and why they went light heavyweights and lightweights right off the bat, because they knew those divisions were loaded and they knew they wanted to kick things off well. Um, and yeah, it was from top to bottom, just an incredible night. Started out with Simeon Powell, a sweet flying knee in the third after teeing off on Clinton Williams for a while. Uh, and then we had a couple more finishes, including Omariak Medov, my boy. Fuck you, Chris Weidman, just a shout out there. Uh, with a huge <laughs> right overhand that uh, just clobbered Victor Pesta like 20 seconds into the round. Quick six points for him, which is huge in the standings. I mean, I, we don't talk about PFL a lot. But getting a first round finish in, in night one of the season, it's worth two fights. It's fucking incredible. Uh, it's just a great place to be. But then going into the, the core, the beef of the card, the two champions from last year, Antonio Carlos Jr. and Haush Manfio, both incredible. starting their season off awesome, two awesome fights. And then neither former champ were the main event, which was curious and something that Ray made a comment about. Um, and it didn't disappoint. They were right. And he said that they were right. They knew that Jeremy Stevens and Clay Collard couldn't put on a bad matchup. And this might be the best fight that PFL has ever put on. It's in contention for MMA fight of the year, in my opinion. Um, just an incredible, incredible night. I had so much fun. And for you listeners, I've got a ton, a ton of interview clips. They're going to be coming out on our YouTube, on our uh, Twitter. I'm sure we'll see a couple on the Insta. Um Reese, you got to teach me how to TikTok these. Yeah, I'll get that. But uh, we're we're gonna get these clips and question answers out to wherever, any way that we can get them to you, we're gonna get them to you. Yeah, this footage is is some really good stuff. And for those who happen to miss it, PFL is a great weeknight, you know, binge. It was a Wednesday night card, and here are some of the names: Rob Wilkinson. He fought in the UFC. He looked great against Bruce Soto. Soto, Swato, not sure. Um, Omari Akhmedov, like you mentioned, fuck Chris Weidman. Uh, Martin Hamlet is a guy who was runner-up last year for the championship. He looked great. Stevie Ray, ex-UFC, Emiliano Sorti. He won last year, I believe, at 205 or was in the running. Two years ago, he won. Two years uh, ago. This was interesting because I think it was Ray also. I keep mentioning this Ray Seffo interview. But he mentioned that Sorti had a uh, some ligament issue in his knee going mm. into the fight that was unannounced and it's kind of crazy he came in as like a minus 480 favorite yeah. with a torn knee and, and obviously he lost but man i wish i'd known that yeah and he was fighting a guy Corey Hendricks, who was actually on the ultimate fighter for i think it was the season with joanna and claudia gadalia but he 
um, was in the tough house and he's making a name for himself in PFL. He had another big upset uh, in PFL last year. You got Olivier Aubin Mercier. He was UFC. Um, Antonio Carlos Jr. Last year's champ also ex UFC. Ma- uh, Monfield looked great. Don Mage two and zero in the UFC and he lost in the co-main. Um, just to show you the talent levels. But he looked got. awesome too. Not to get he into did. that fight, he but he, he won he every caught. minute of yeah. it until he ate that right hand. No, he did, and he got caught, and that's the that's the danger of the sport. But there's a guy who's two and zero in the UFC and went to war in the PFL, just showing you. The, I know a lot of people look at the PFLs and the Bellators and the LFAs of like minor leagues, but honestly, these there's so much talent in fighting these days that this PFL card, a regular season random day PFL card was incredible, um, arguably better than this weekend's UFC card and just all in all great. I'm so I'm confident top to bottom. It was better than last weekend's. Yeah. And, and you got to be there, which I'm so happy for you. I know that was a, a wide an eye, a wide eye experience for you and i know that uh i'm help, i'm happy you got to get in there first to learn the ways of the land in the scrums before uh any of us have to get sent out there but props to you i'm glad you had a good night kobe way to get and, and thank you to uh believe too. believe podcast you shout network. out to believe network yeah they were the, the ones who really orchestrated that to get us there and we're such an honor to be there okay that's it. That's going to close the book on PFL. Stay tuned. Again, ankle pick pile. We're not just UFC. We're going to mix in some Bellator, some PFL content, YouTube, TikTok, all the good stuff. Limitless. All right. All right, Country Club. News and notes time. All right. Let's just roll through these. I got a bunch of, well, let's get through the non-fight announcement first. But right off the bat, Miles John suspended by Asada six months for Adderall. Kind of crazy. Okay. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I've ever seen a suspension for Adderall. Yeah, but um, no, I know, that's a, I know that's a banned substance, but it's interesting because I, what if he needs it? You know what I mean? Like, what if he's? I'm sure there's prescription. It? Yeah, like, that. That's I'm guessing he wasn't prescribed, and uh, whatever that sucks. Well, that, that's actually not. I wish it was the last, but it's not the last we're gonna hear of Usada, Manel Cape, and Sumudarity supposed to be this week. Now off as of just an hour ago. Um, is that Usada though? I saw. No, I, I thought it was, that was personal. Yeah, I heard that was personal stuff. Personal reasons, but right before that announcement came out, Manel Cape tweeted and then deleted some notes app saying that he he got he popped for. Uh-oh. I'm gonna blank on the substance, but something like 17 picograms of whatever, and he had no idea. And picograms. We've picograms. been here before. If you're if you're a fan of the sport and you've been around for a while, you you know this saga before. Tainted also, how is that not? Parker's Twitter handle, like, come on. And now, seriously, I we got to get on that. Um, uncut last week, Chase Sherman was cut. This week, he's back I on the card, it. filling in for Tanner Bozier against Alexander Romanov. We'll get there in a second. Romanov is going to be. My, I was, so I was looking for opening line because Danny and I are trying to. I mean, that thing's going to get smashed. They can't open it high enough. If they open it at three hundred, it's going to go to five hundred. If they open it at five hundred, it's going to go to seven hundred. Like it's. I think it's, I was seeing it at four digits already. That, and that's that's still, I mean, it's hard for heavyweights, but it's going to be a Romanov showcase. Um, before we get to fight announcements, we have one more rough piece of news, but Bobby Knox apparently out against Marvin Vittori for 275. That's going to be in June. Um, already floated as possible replacements, Darren Till and Hamza Chimaev for Marvin wow. Vittori. 
Interesting. At 80, so Till makes sense. I, I don't know if Hamzat wants to take a fight at 85. I mean, he just had a war with a 55er, and that was tough. So um, I don't know. It's interesting. It leaves a lot of things open. It's just rumored. All right. I'm going to cruise through some fight announcements. Stop me where you're interested. Damon Jackson, Derek Minner, June 4th. Mike Trezano, Lucas Almeida, also June 4th. And then the main event on June 4th, Alexander Volkov, Jarzinho Rosenstrike. That's going to be fun. That's just a reschedule, right? Is it a reschedule? I thought so. But I could be wrong. One way or another. I mean, that would just be a great striking match. A lot of fun. Heavyweight power. Neither guy will shoot for a takedown. Great matchup. Um, the following week, this is 275 in Singapore. Blood Diamond and Orion Kosi. Okay. I... I heard a lot of different news around that. Is Kosi stepping in for someone or did someone go out? I saw Matheta got booked and then it canceled and then maybe it's booked again, but I, I could be just making stuff up here. Um, we'll have the analytics department check on that. I okay. don't know. Um, Wellington Terman out the following weeks, June 18th. Julian Marquez now fighting Gregory Rodriguez, who I believe is a contender series graduate. Grayson Rodriguez sounds sounds familiar. Cody Stamen, Eddie Wineland, also on that six eighteen card. Did you say Eddie, Eddie Wineland? Yeah. Oh, he's still going. Okay, love it. When was the last time Eddie Wineland fought? I don't even know, but it it was it wasn't the it wasn't the Sean O'Malley walk away. It was something else. Right, I was gonna say like. But still, I mean that that's a name that I thought we weren't gonna hear again. But I'm glad. I mean, I love Eddie Wineland. I've been watching him for a while, but just an interesting one. Three fights to announce the following week. This is June 25th. Shailan Nordanbika and TJ Brown. Okay. Tiago Moises, Christoph Yagos. Glad to see Tiago Moises back. He, he he got fucking shit wrecked by y'all Alvarez, and I think that was an eye-opener for him. I mean, he's 25 years old and extremely well-rounded. Um, that's a good matchup for him. I'm excited. Great matchup for Moises. Who is yeah. Christos Yagos's management here fighting Sarikian and, and Moises back to back? Hey, fuck this dude. What are we doing with this guy? Honestly, uh, what ends up coming is I, I bet it's just one of those things where no one wants to, I mean, not so much for Moises, but it's like Armin's going to be a tough guy to book. And so his management team's probably just like, hey. Christos Yagos's management team had him debut against Charles Oliveira. They're fighting him. They're having him fight Moises and Sarukyan back to back. Like they they had him fight Josh Emmett and Chris Wade on regional scenes. Like this, I'm 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 going crazy. Can I be Christos Yagos' new manager? Yeah. By the time this all, I think we know them. We met him in Houston. Uh baby. No, by the time by the time the APP is all said and done, we're gonna be managing half the UFC at, at this rate. Um, also on June 25th, this one I'm excited for personally, Julian Paiva, Sergey Morozov. Oh, that's, that's fireworks. Yeah, that is a good one. Um, the following week, this is now UFC 276, July 2nd, Brad Tavares and Dreykus Duplessis. I saw that. another great matchup. And then just announced earlier today, Treshawn Gore and Josh Friend, June or July 9th. Yeah, friend, friend, getting a quick turnaround. He just lost Danny and I money when we said he was humongous, or we, or no, we didn't. We ended up just not riding it. It was Anthony Hernandez, and we're like, oh, that guy's fucking humongous, and then he gets smoked. 
Um, the other thing too is so Maxim Maxim Grisham's out, and Jalton Almeida is moving up to heavyweight on short notice for that fight. So that'll be interesting. That'll be sweet. You're a huge fan of that guy, Cobe. So you'll see him at heavyweight and what he brings to the table. Um, and then oh, and then I've heard rumblings too that John Jones, and this is rumor mill. This is not news and notes. This is rumor and notes. Um, but I heard that John Jones is aiming for a July return and he wants to fight Stipe. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to spill some beans here. I heard also rumor mill, uh, some talk last night amongst the media people. It's not going to happen in July, but he is serious about that matchup. Yeah. That wouldn't surprise me. I mean, that matchup makes sense for him. It's one of those where John Jones is very calculated with what he decides to do. And I think that this is a calculated match for him where he doesn't want to fight, you know, in Ganu. I think, I think he looks at a 39 year old legacy fight with Steve Bay is an easier win than prime and Ganu or even someone like um, Cyril Gan. I don't think he wants that fight. You know, there's, he doesn't add much to his legacy there where beating Stipe might do a little more. Um, and then on the same token, I think that's a good fight for Stipe because Stipe is at that point where, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily think he's next in line for Ngannou when he returns. And I think that Stipe, I know he's thir- late 39, I think, maybe 40. He's looking to probably close that book, get a money fighter too. Hey, I mean, I hope that happens. I think that'd be a good fight. That's all I got for news and notes. Cool. Um, all right. So we'll get back to this week's UFC card, Amanda Lemos versus Jessica Andrade. Before 5 p.m. There, Central prelims, 8 p.m. Central main card. That's this Saturday, the 23rd. Okay. So a little bit later for me. Maybe I'll get to go to bed at 10 now instead. Um, really quickly, to one championship. By the time you listen to this, it'll already be over. But Bellator 278 is Friday night. LFA 130 is also Friday night. And then you have UFC fight night um, Saturday, along with Bellator 279 as well. So Bellator going back-to-back Friday and Saturday. They've done that in the past, but who knows? Maybe trying to steal a little eyeballs from UFC next weekend. Okay, let's start off this week. Um, this is, okay, Lemos Andrade, like we said, 5 Central. Let's start off. Dean Barry, 4-1 uh, and one mixed martial arts record, is fighting none other than Mike Jackson, 0-1 in the UFC. He actually beat CM Punk. And then I think they overturned it to a no contest. And then he lost to Mickey Gall. Dan, do you know about this Mike Jackson guy? Like, who is he and why is he getting these fights? Uh, I, I, I don't. And I didn't spend enough time this week taping him. I, I just no motivate him. He's going to get yeah. smoked. No, I mean, there's no need. He's a 37-year-old and he, he only takes money fights. He fought CM Punk and uh, Mickey Gall. But I don't. I guess I don't understand why he's famous. He's famous for some reason. They signed him to a one and zero contract. I just don't know what that reason is. We'll do some research on the thing. Yeah, I mean, this is just a whatever fight for me. I'm not making any noise over here about it. Uh, Marcin Prochnik. Do we have a line on that, Dan? Sorry, I don't want to put you on the spot. Uh, yeah, I've got it open. We've got. I'm seeing Dean Barry minus oh, yeah. 1100. Dean Barry minus yeah. 1100. Rightfully so too. I mean, I, I Mike Jackson lost. Or had a no contest against CM Punk, got smoked by Mickey Ball. He's not a mixed martial artist. He's something else. Okay, Marcin yeah, Barry needs a win here, and that's why they're they're giving him. 
is Dean Bear? I mean, he's four and one, and he hasn't. This is UFC debut, so I don't know. This 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 whole matchup doesn't make sense. I wonder if Mike John, Mike Jackson has some, something on Dana White or something. Marcin Practico versus Felipe Linz, two hundred five bout, and Marcin Practico minus one twenty five. Felipe Linz. Um, plus 105. This opened at Pratnigo minus 150 and has come down and it's come down recently. It did not come down at open. It's it's very recent um, steaming in the favor of Felipe Linz. What do you see here, Dan? I mean, there's a 205 pound by uh, a 205 pound bout and Felipe Linz fought at heavyweight last. So yeah, I agree more with the open. Obviously, Felipe Linz, ton of power. Uh, definitely something to worry about. But I mean, this is a guy who's losing to Tanner Bozer. Um, Pracnio is kind of a similar body type to Tanner Bozer. He's the smaller, heavy, light heavyweight, heavyweight kind of borderline thing. Um, I just think Pracnio is, is going to be tough to get out there. I, I mean, I see this being on the feet the whole time, and I just don't see Lynn being able to get that perfect punch that turns Pracnio's lights out. Um, we're talking about a guy that outstruck Khalil Roundtree. I like Pracnio in this. Yeah, I just, the only thing is, do you think there will be a sizable difference with Felipe Linz getting down to that light heavyweight? I know he's, I know he, he has the frame of a light heavyweight, but it, this is an interesting move after fighting, I believe his last two at heavyweight, Orlovsky and Tanner Bozer. I think that uh, Pracnio is actually taller than Linz, so I don't think it's going to be Perfect. even so yeah, Pragnio cuts a lot of weight to get to 205. For those who mm-hmm. know Pragnio, he's a massive, massive man, and he does confirm two inches reach, one inch height. So, yeah, Dan, you you got some value now. It's clo- it's come that way since clo- or since open. Um, yeah, I I see it very similarly. I, I like Practico here. Felipe Lins packs power though. I I don't I don't know if it's going to be an official place play yet. I know it's coming down to that wire here, but um. I'm definitely leaning Pracnigo. Preston Parsons is fighting Evan Elder at 170. And Evan Elder is making his UFC debut. The line here is Evan or Preston Parsons minus 125. Evan Elder plus 105. And it opened at 110 each way. So little to no movement on either side of this here. And um, like I said, Preston Parsons is coming off that blowout by Daniel Rodriguez smoked him first round Kale, and then Evan Elder on the other hand coming off the regional scene making his UFC debut yeah I I'm excited to see Evan Elder's debut um I'm not so like the, the hype isn't so high on him but uh an undefeated guy out of Sanford MMA his only loss is on the amateur scene and it's violent Bob Ross that's pretty respectable for yeah that is third fight in the in in anything it's amateur um but yeah, I'm, I'm more so excited just to see this debut, see what he has to offer than I have any edge here. Um, Parsons, I think, had a short notice fight for his debut, lost it, got smoked, and, and this is kind of the return of the favor, I think, a little bit. Um, and D-Rod's a tough draw, too. I, I taped that, and you could tell from the, out the gate that this was a sizable mismatch between D-Rod mm-hmm. and Parsons. Like It almost felt like they kind of threw Parsons to the, to the fucking wolves. Um, and so, yeah, this one's interesting. Also, Dan, I don't know if you noticed this, but, um, Evan Elder is booked for another fight. So he, which, which intrigued me. So Evan Elder is booked for this fight. And then on May, uh, May 6th, he's 
booked in FAC 13 against Cody Fister, who's 16 and eight. So, yeah. So what I took that, I, I'm not sure about this, but I took that as that he just had a, a fight scheduled and then, um, He's pretty last minute to this card. Yeah, he is. This line was... is only up on like one spot. I think it's only up on five dimes right now. So it's it's really new. What was um, it? Preston Parsons. Preston Parsons was supposed to fight Kosi, who tested positive for COVID. So I saw this more as Elder yeah. was in camp for another fight and got the call uh, from the big dogs and was like, "Fuck yeah, I'm in." Uh, the only other tidbit that's interesting here is El- Evan Elder is technically a lightweight and. They're fighting at welterweight. Preston Parsons is okay. a natural welterweight. It's something to consider. Yeah. Um, I tend to think that Elder, I'm more excited for Elder than, than I am Parsons, but I'm not really, I'm not betting this spot. Well, it also sounds like even if Elder might have the better ceiling and something we look forward to going forward, it does seem like a lot of this stuff favors Preston Parsons as in A, he's had his UFC debut under his belt. B, he's had a full training camp for 170. Um, and see, this is a, a last minute, short notice, big time move for Elder. So there's a lot of things that seem to be favoring Preston Parsons that I didn't necessarily take into account when looking at that 110 each way. Do you have a play on anything so far, Dan, or is everything passing? I don't. I don't. I'm, I'm passing all of this. Yeah. Continuing along. Um, what the fuck? Cameron Ellis versus Agori Liang. I, I, I mean, I know he's fought in the UFC a bunch too. How the hell do you pronounce that? Agori Liang. Iagori Quilang. Um, you can just call oh. him the Mongolian murderer. That's what we that's what we did the last time we were on the pod when he fought Cody Durden. We just called him the Mongolian murderer. Um I'll I'll figure out what I'm clipping there. That won't be all on YouTube, but we got Allegory Liang fighting Cameron Ellis um at flyweight here. And the line here is Allegory Liang. Um, minus 250, Cameron Ellis plus 200. And Cameron Ellis is coming in off a loss to Kyler Phillips. Um, and short was, notice loss too. Yeah, short notice loss, but it was a finish. Kyler Phillips, I mean, and obviously we hold Kyler Phillips in great regards here. And then Allegory is coming off a Cody Durden loss and a Jeff Molina loss. So he's looking to bounce back in the right direction, being 0-2 in the UFC. What do you make of this one? Yeah, I... I th- I think I like Aori Keeling in this a decent amount. Um, Cameron Ellis is just really not impressed me. I know that this UFC tape is not a lot to go on because he's getting smoked by a guy he's not really um, in the same league as. It's, he also just has a really poor strength of schedule on the regional scene. And you look at just kind of the trajectory of his career. He's 34. He's just now making his debut. And it's kind of just because he's doing a favor for Dana during COVID. He's a guy that I really just don't think is UFC caliber. It, it, like it, it, almost like his gym doesn't fully believe in him just because they haven't been pushing him to really make those ste- second steps. He's fought yeah. really no one his whole career. And um, I actually misspoke too. This is actually taking place at 35, which favors Alice. Um, Allegory Liang has fought his last two at flyweight, and this is happening at 35. I'm not sure. Is this one short notice, Dan? Do you know? I, I don't think it is, but that doesn't okay. so much – change the weight doesn't so much change my take i mean we're talking about a guy in else who before he fought kyler he's fighting a three and 14 guy and no, then an I oh and one that, guy yeah. and then an oh and oh guy and a one and one guy like that's not you're you're in professional fighting but you're not a, a guy that's goal is the so, top of the pyramid or the ufc belt um, so do you feel comfortable paying a price of 250 or 230 on a guy who's oh and two in the ufc against 
Cody Durden. Oh, that's the price. That's a tough price. I think they. I think Aori's going to. I think. I think. Else, else is going to try and get him to the ground. I don't think he's going to be able to. Aori's the better striker. Aori has decent power. I think that he can get a finish here. If I'm going to play it, I'm maybe looking at that prop. Um, I don't like that 225. Maybe yeah. a parlay piece though, because okay. I just don't. Cameron Else is just not the guy. So the over is minus 138 in favor of the over for the one and a half. Uh, allegory to get a TKO KO is plus 140. So it seems like that's how they kind of predict it to go. Uh, that's a tough, those lines are tough, man. That's where Vegas really pulls one over on you. Um, so keep, keep that pinned as a potential parlay piece for now. And maybe we'll circle back. Or I can, I could maybe get frisky. I could see a, I don't think it's going to happen in the first, if the TKO happens, maybe a Aori in, in round two, Aori in round three sprinkle. Cause I think it'll be later. Okay. That could, that could get really frisky, really fast. The long-awaited return of Tyson Pedro, one of my fan favorites from a while ago. Haven't seen him in a while. Not sure why either. And he's fighting Ike Villanueva who at 205, who honestly, hats off to Ike Villanueva because I think a lot of people have said that he should be cut. He's one in five in the UFC. One in, he's one in four out of five in the UFC. He totally should be cut. <laughs> and he, he's been getting smoked too. We were talking finish after finish after finish. And here he is again against Tyson Pedro. So the man has a million lives like a cat. The line here is Ike Villanueva plus 450, Tyson Pedro minus 600. And the only real question mark, Dan, for me was, and, and I noticed it right away in tape, is what's happening with this Tyson Pedro? Because we haven't seen him since 2018. He had a canceled bout in 2020, and now he's finally coming back in 2022. That's three years out of the octagon. Before that, he was a rising star. I remember he finished um, Khalil Roundtree, and he finished Paul Craig, and that really threw him on the map in 2017, 2016. Went on to lose to Elar Latifi, OSP, Shogun Hua, but we haven't seen him in four years. What is Tyson Pedro, now 30, bringing to this 205-pound division? And is there a take? Is there a certain take you have on it? Because the four-year-old film isn't great. I mean, we know what we think about Ike Villanueva. He's 38 years old, labeled him a COVID fighter. He hasn't won in – he's one in four in his last five. But what do you and, think And that about- one, he's looking for that big right hand the whole time, and the one person that gave it to him, that, that's all you really got to worry about with Ike. Right. So, so, put, so, so put aside Ike Villanueva for now. Put aside the line. I don't think this is really bettable by any means. What I'm wondering is I want to take a second just to ask you, like, wh- what are you expecting on Tyson Pedro here? Is there any th- foundation that you feel like you can speak on? Because we haven't seen him for three and a half years. I like Pedro by sub, but. Okay. That's a really good line. He could finish him anyway. What is yeah. the by sub line? Do you have it in front of you? Uh, plus 160. Okay. I just think Villanueva is so lost on the ground. And it, Tyson Pedro is a smart fighter. He's going to know the only way I lose this fight is if getting sloppy and standing right in front of this guy, let's just get vertical or real or get horizontal real quick and take that away from him. Pedro wins inside the distance is minus two twenty five. If you don't want to settle just for sub. And another one that's kind of interesting is fight ends inside the distance is just a hair over minus 300. So those are the only ways I see this fight being able to be played i kind of like your by sub angle though dan to be quite honest with you but anyways this is more of a storyline for me 
haven't seen Tyson Pedro in a while, and he was someone that I was really high on. I really liked his personality, so I'm excited to see him back. That's really the mainstay for me. Dwight Grant is fighting Sergey Kodzikov at welterweight, and the line on that is Dwight Grant minus 103, Kodzikov minus Kazakov minus 117. And we know what Dwight Grant brings. Kazakov's two, one and one in the UFC. So he's had a, a short career so far at the young age of 29. Um, one last thing before we hear your breakdown, the line opened at Dwight Grant plus 165 and got smashed to even. Um, 33% closing line value since... It only took about two or three days. So instant sharp money came on and, and the line readjusted accordingly. So looking at more of a PK fight, Dan, not where Vegas opened it, does that change your opinion on this one at all? Um, it doesn't change so much. I expect uh, Sergey to come out and try and strike with Grant, which is kind of where Grant wants the fight to be the whole time anyways. Um, Kazoko is probably going to have the better volume and, and footwork he's got to avoid that power we saw that um what was it uh Ronaldo Sokolik oh I'm talking about the Jordan Williams highlight from a long time ago actually oh okay but, yeah, yeah. um Grant carries some real power that might have been on content was that on contender series I'm I don't not. know sorry sorry I don't want to get bogged down it was no not, reason it was not uh but yeah Grant Grant's got some real power I would not be surprised if um he does get a late KO here. Uh, that that fight with Francisco Trinaldo, though, is one of those which version of Trinaldo was there in, in late 2021 because he's, he's going downhill a little bit. But you're, if you're fighting to a split with Trinaldo, you have to have some, some level of skill and capability. Um, yeah, and, and the thing that I think a lot of people don't realize about Dwight Grant is he's 37. And so he made his UFC um, debut at 34 on the Contender Series, has had a mixed. He fought Alan Joban, who's now retired, eked out a split decision, fought Zach Otto, who's no longer at the UFC, lost a split decision. So you see moments of brilliance, but it's few and far between. Sergey, on the other hand, um, lost to uh, Russum. Um, Kubalov, that's not that bad of a loss. I mean – I don't know. I mean, he's two and zero or one and one in the UFC. I I think even Dan makes this a playable fight. But am I wrong? That's kind of where I'm at on it. At one, at minus one ninety, I don't play him. But is Sergey a play at at minus one ten? It's getting a little. It's getting a lot more uh, enticing. I'll tell you that much. I pinned in that for now as well. Jordan Wright is fighting Mark Andre Burial at a catch weight of one ninety. Jordan Wright is minus. Um. Or he's plus 160. Mark Andre Burial minus 185. Line opened at Jordan Wright minus 140 and has done a complete flip flop and then some. What's interesting about this run is we all know how I feel about Jordan Wright. We've talked about it a lot and he's put on some good finishes. But Mark Andre Burial just came off a horrible loss in 16 seconds to uh, Chidi and Chukwani. So I think when you say just, when you say just, it was very recent. Two months ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two months ago. So we're talking about like no recovery time whatsoever. I think that might have played into the line. Jordan Wright, on the other hand, at the end of uh, 2021, so just a couple months earlier than that, got knocked out viciously by Bruno Silva. 
So you got two guys coming off knockouts that both like to bring it on the stand-up realm. Interesting fight, man. This is an interesting fight. I think the line's interesting because of that flip-flop. And I think that if you have a conviction on one of these guys, which I'm not sure if you do, you can you could make an easily justifiable play because there's a big opening for either of these gentlemen. Yeah, I started out thinking I was going to be fully on MAB. Um, and I've come completely around. I fully expect Jordan Wright to hurt him pretty quickly too. Um, Jordan Wright starts fast. Like you said, he's got flashy striking. He's got very... I mean, he's got knockout ability from kind of anywhere. Um, he does slow down as the fight goes on. So if Wright's ahead and 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 MAB, or if, if Wright, if the round one ends and Wright's kind of been teeing off, but MAB's still in there and he's not completely dead, I'm probably going to jump on the MAB side live because I think if it goes past one, MAB takes the decision. Mm. but okay. i like right to come out there and hurt so that's interesting because that instantly puts my question in this box i was going to tease the under two and a half towards it. these guys are guys who put on a high pace barry a little bit more of a counter striker where jordan Wright puts on a high pace but pack a lot of power and like to get finished or put on finishes under two and a half minus 145 is that a trap i think that's there? a good spot no i think that's you? a good spot okay. I, I think jordan wright's going to come out really fast really flashy and i'm expecting MAB to be hurt in the first. I don't know if, if Jordan's going to be able to capitalize on that and get him out of there in the first, but um, maybe a Jordan Wright round one and then an MAB live is how I'm going right, to play it. Right round one plus 475. Does that do it for you? That does it for me. I think I might okay. sprinkle there and okay. then some MAB live if that doesn't really work out. Hey, I don't hate that. Okay, so so Danny's basically saying Jordan Wright's going to have a fast first round, and outside of that, it's Burial's fight to lose. So there's a couple opportunities to play that, maybe even arbitrage that, so you get two-plus lines, too. Maybe you play uh, Jordan Wright plus 160, and then you can play Burial live at plus, and then either way you win. That's an option as well for those arbitrage guys out there. Okay, Suma Derji fight is off, as mentioned, against Manel Cape. That was news and notes. Um Ooh, main card starting with an absolute banger. This is my prediction for fight of the night. And Kobe, I want that to be clipped chat, okay? Because when we go over bonuses next week, and I'm right, there's a 12-fight card here. I'm picking this one for fight of the night. My Lord's going to be flowing somewhere. Shout out, Jeff. 12 Smith. nuggets to Reese if he picks the 1-12 in 12 fight of the night. There you go. There you go. No, some, some, I mean, our proud sponsors at Jepson's Malort, we'll figure something out to incorporate them. Great stuff, but Charles Jordan is fighting Lando Venata. And this is one where I seriously am not overhyping this. Do not blink on this one. These guys love to throw high volume and make it a dog scrap. Even better, Dan, it's minus 110 each way. Licked my chops when I saw that. Opened at minus 120. And the way the movement works, as far as like the betting line, it just goes like this. Just a just a wave here because people are all over this on both sides. Um where do your likings lie? Because I, I know where I'm at, and I want to give you the floor first. Eileen Jordan. I think this is going to be a really fun fight. Um, I do think it's going to kind of get into a, a just who's the bigger dog. Um, and I tend to trust Jordan's cardio and his durability more. Veneta's been in a lot more of those wars, and I think that that it just takes a toll every single time. Do you worry about Veneta's pressure wrestling, though? He had good moments in scrambles against Mike Grundy um Bobby Green as well I was wondering if you think that if Venata 
brings out a pressure wrestling style. Can Jordan keep up with that? Because we know Jordan likes to strike. We know that he wants to keep it on the feet. What if Fanata doesn't want to play that game? Is that a concern for you? Or do you think you can kind of write that off? I, I don't think you can write it off, but I think that both these guys are gamers. They both know what they signed up for. That was my big, on, on the opposite my of the big, octagon. My big fear was I like Jordan a lot. It's it, or a good amount. If it stays standing, it is Jordan's fight to lose, but it's just such a big if that I don't know where I feel in my gut about this one. It, it really could go either way based on what's Let sad. me throw it back at you. If Benetta brings a press for wrestling game plan, is this fight of the night still? Hmm. I don't know that's another good question i want to say no but yet i've seen it so many times again with Venata, where he brings a pressure wrestling style and then he'll break away and just throw bombs and that will be a time for charles Jordan to get hit some stuff off it'll be interesting because you saw his pressure wrestling stance bring multiple fight of the nights um i don't know if david tamer was i know one of the bobby greens if not both the bobby greens were the yancey Madero's one was as well so he he's he's no stranger to the fight of the night um award i wouldn't be surprised if he makes this one a a absolute war just for the fans aspect of it 50k is a lot and he hasn't been that active so do you have a play here dan or no i don't okay me neither so far but that might change alexander romanov is 15-0 is fighting chase sherman we mentioned chase sherman is subbing in on on extremely short notice romanov is minus 1700 right now over on five dimes he's four figures across the board um, Chase Sherman plus 1100. I mean, there is no line big enough for me to take Sherman. Seriously. If it was 20 to one, I wouldn't take Sherman. I just think this functionally takes the inability to bet Romanov off. And also it makes it hard to add him in a parlay because you're not going to get a lot of value for a heavyweight bout that could just anything can happen. I mean, he could tear his ACL on the first step. And so it's hard to add him into a parlay at that kind of line, even though there's no feasible way Chase Sherman wins this. And it's even grosser when you get into the props. Romanov inside the distance minus 450. It's still not even. And the worst part is that's still not enough, I don't think. Romanov in round one minus 190. These are gross. Yeah. Is this even a fight that you can learn anything from, or is this kind of just a – No. It's kind of like if you if you took an all-state high school wrestler and said wrestle this middle schooler, it's like, do you think he learns anything about wrestling? No, he just shits on him for five minutes. I mean, but they've done that for Romanov a couple times now. Obviously, this is short notice, last-minute replacement, but the Roque Martinez fight was just like, how much money do you have in your net worth? Throw it all on fucking Romanov here. Well, one of the things about the Jared Bandera fight was um, he showed that that his cardio can – I mean, he put on a crazy pace for those two rounds, and he was still – he was huffing and puffing a little bit, but it was a big cardio nod that I took away from that. So I, I maybe he'll – I think that might be as a fan and looking at, at Romanov as a top 15 heavyweight, you could maybe check that to see if this goes past that one-minute mark. I mean, not one minute, one round mark. Is Romanov still looking the part? I think he will. I don't even think it'll get that far, but um, – he looked good in the decision against Espino. A little bit, pay, a little bit slow at the end. Um, yeah, and Espino's no tough out. We've talked about it all too. No, yeah, he's no tough out. So it, this one's unplayable, but something just to mention: Macy Barber's taking on Montana De La Rosa at one twenty-five, and the line is minus one eighty now in favor of Macy Barber, plus one sixty for Montana De La Rosa. Opened at one fifty-five for Barber and got hit. 
And Dan, the big takeaway and the big talking point on set the spread was Macy Barber is young. And I know our coach was talking about potential youngest champ and all stuff. And, and I, I went and said, I see her as a big three or big four for this future, the 125 with the Miranda Mavericks and uh, the Aaron Blanchfields. And, and we both agreed that Montana De La Rosa, although talented, is not championship caliber, at least at this stage and at 27. So I guess instead of looking at the future, what do you make of this fight on Saturday? I mean, Montana De La Rosa, four years her senior or five years her senior, is there going to be an experience aspect to this that we're missing? But she's not that sizable of a dog that we've seen in, in Macy Barber fights. Yeah, I think that the the lines have kind of reached their level in terms of Macy Barber. We were talking on set the spread that it's kind of her career has been all over the place. We've seen her at, up at those like Shevchenko Nunez lines. Um, and she just it's just not the right person to have with those lines. She's not untouchable as we've learned many times uh but she is very game she's a great boxer uh i think she's gonna have a power advantage here and as she showed against maverick her defensive wrestling is is pretty damn impressive too and she's good at getting up off the mat um i think that she's gonna be the better striker here montana's not gonna have a lot of success um she might have more volume than macy but macy's gonna always kind of be leading the dance and landing with more impact I like this fight for Macy a lot. I, I really do. And I think that the line's not out of order at all. Um, I don't think that you're going to get me to play a woman's favorite. Okay. That was the question. But it, it's My looking really question tempting. is going to be, are you defying science? Because this is actually the only women's bout other than the main event on the card. So outside of this playing the science, if you're going to play the science, you got to go main event or defy science. It's, it's not a lot of opportunities. Here. I, 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 it's looking enticing, but I don't think I'm going to be backing Macy Barber at uh, um, the favorite here. Okay. I, hey, I, I will never blame you for that. I mean, it, it's if you looked at a scientist dead in the eyes and say gravity isn't real, they're going to say, I don't know what to tell you. You know, and that's kind of what this is. If you told me, honestly, there's less of a chance that gravity is real than that a women's dog system works. Well, there's the other factor that I scored the Maverick fight for Maverick. So in my head, we've got Macy Barber, who's coming off three losses and knee repair surgery as a favorite. Yeah. I'm not paying the price. And five years, her, her junior, which I know I harp on it more than any analyst in the, in mixed martial arts, but like experience time and time again, proves to be a difference maker. Co-main event, Clay Guida, Clay the Carpenter Guida, first ballot Hall of Famer in my book, is taking on a newcomer, not newcomer to the UFC, but a young gun in Claudio Puelles. And this is taking place at 155. Clay Guida is minus 110. Claudio Puelles on the other side, also minus 110. As you know, Claudio Puelles opened at minus 175. Dan has gotten smashed down because Clay the Carpenter Guida really is just that guy. He is that energizer bunny. I was on Clay Guida at 150. I did not place it because I wasn't sure where the line was going to go. Missed the boat. And now, Dan, I don't know if I want to play it at 110. This is like 110 where the line should open at because I don't really have – I think this could go either way and I could make claims slash arguments for both of these guys. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, so maybe let me, let me try and convince you on Guida here because that's where I've come to. I mean, I, I think in set the spread, I said that I thought Puelles was going to be the, the favorite, right? You won't have to twist my arm hard to convince me, Guida. I, I, you could just say, 
you know, I, I woke, I had a dream about Guida and I'd be like, okay, I, I can get I mean, But you said it, he's that dude. He, he's he, he's dude. the energizer he's bunny. Dude. I love, I love him. He's that dude. He's, he's still the terrific wrestler that he has always been at age 40 at the ripe age of 40 years young, just phenomenal pressure. The energy is unmatched. It's, it's, it's almost like instead of using different positions to like stay safe and out of submissions, he's using his movement and he's just kind of all over you. Um, and, and it's, it works really well and it always has. Puelas doesn't have the real power that I think Guida is going to be concerned about. And if this fight goes to the ground, I don't think he's going to have a lot of answers off of his back. Um, the question for me is how capable is Guida going to be if he struggles to get Puelas on his back? And I think he's got the experience to deal with it. This is, I mean, we know what he's, think, he's... Sorry, but do you think that Puelas would accept the position and work off his back? Because no. that could bode well for a Guida decision, or do you think it like? That, I, I don't think, think that, I, I don't think it's smart for for Claudio to accept the position. I think that would be a really bad game plan move. But I mean, at a certain point, when you're doing when you're dealing with a chain wrestler like Clay, you're going to tire yourself out if you're defending for ten minutes too, mm-hmm. and and constantly getting up off the mat with a guy like Clay's pressure on you. It's tough. It's tiring. No, it is. And that's why Clay Guida has been able to continue at the UFC at such a high rate of levels because or high levels because even at the age of 40, he is pushing the pressure on as a phenomenal wrestler and he'll go a hard 15 minutes no matter what. And so my question is, can young Claudio Puelas keep up with that? You're telling me probably not, at least at this stage in his career. I, I'm telling you that I'm confident if there is any grappling in this fight, Clay is going to get the best of it. One time? Are you taking Guido at 110? I'm still waiting. I'm still okay. waiting. Okay. What are you waiting for? Plus number. Okay. There you go. So if it hits plus 105, are you snapping that? I'll probably place at least the unit and then continue to place as it uh, moves. I'm. You know what? I'm actually comfortable at even. I really am comfortable saying that. Because I, I am not going to continue because it's steamed as him at a plus 115 has come down hard. So do you think it's going to continue? Like. I think that there will be a swing back when okay, okay. you've got yeah, casual yeah. betters that don't look at the card until Friday night at the very earliest. Yeah, They're going to see a 40-year-old fighting okay. a 25-year-old and be like, how the fuck am I not betting on the 25-year-old? I do think it'll swing back a little bit. We might have to wait to the last minute for it, but I don't think that this is the where the line ends, and I don't think that Guido becomes a substantial favorite at 40 years old. Okay, that was the question for me. So, okay, I, I don't disagree with that. Moving on to the main event, Jessica Andrade, champion herself, is making her uh, 115 return. Still excited to see that weight cut against Amanda Lemos, 11-1-1. Quite the talent there as well. And it's the Battle of the Brazilians as well, which is always fun for anyone who loves this sport. Minus 210 for the uh, former champion, Jessica Andrade, plus 175 for Amanda Lemos over on five dimes, Dan. And this opened as Andrade minus 210, I mean, minus 200, has seen as high as minus 250, has not broken that 100 price point. Um, Oh, no, it has. For a while, it was in the 160s, 170s, and it's come all the way back. So with that being said, it's it's steadied out around where it opened. Vegas might have got it right on this one. Where are you leaning? 
I I like the Andrade side. I thought it was a gift when it went down yeah. to like 170 and whatnot. I missed it um, at 160 and I'm pissed. Yeah, Lemos, obviously, she has power, and so she's drawn a lot of eyes, especially in this division that no one finishes anyone at. But if you look at those finishes, I mean, it's Montserrat Ruiz, it's Liviana Souza, where um, she, like, never – I mean, maybe it was a flash knockout, but she got right back to her feet. Um, and then the Angela Hill fight, that's more reaching her level, and Andrade would smoke Angela Hill. Um I see Lemos coming out really fast, swinging for the fences in round one. I don't think it's an opportunity to play Lemos in round one, but I do think that there's going to be a live bet opportunity um, once Lemos has led the volume for five minutes before Andrade can really get her game off and start hurting her. And you know that's going to come. We've seen Andrade hurt absolutely everyone she's fought, except for probably Valentina. But, um, yeah, we know, we know that that's going to come, and then Andrade is game. The question is, can she make it through the first without without going down? I've, I've been talking about a couple of live bet spots tonight. Um, I, I, I really think there's going to be some awesome opportunities for it. Uh, so I had a prediction. Prediction was just that Andrade was going to bring it to her. And I'm an Amanda Lemos fan, like we talked about. I think that was the OG Malort bet. But the thing about Andrade, and it's the same thing that I said on Set the Spread, and it's the same thing that's going to continue – until I see it with my own eyes, is this weight cut. She is a jacked 5'2", 125. And I've seen so many videos from um, back when she was defending the title or fighting for the title where she was cutting to a point where it was making her extremely, extremely ill. Um, And her, uh, I think she's dating or was dating uh, Raquel Pennington or something like that. And I remember seeing a video where they were trying to get her into the bathtub with salt to really dehydrate her. And it was just like, nothing was coming out. She wasn't gain- losing any weight and it's a nightmare. So when I saw this was taking place at 115, that was the first thing that popped off in my head. And, it, and if Andrade looks like shit, Dan, come weigh it. You know, one of those Aspen lad fainting type moments or just looks like a sucked out person or has a really tough time making weight or even misses by a little bit. I think Lemos at the plus line will will be will be a, a possible stab. I just don't I really see do. Lemos carrying that same fight style three I rounds. Know. I mean, we I saw know. her fade versus Hill. I um, know, but what about but what about if 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 Andrade also came because of the fact that she is so sucked out? I mean, I know it's what ifs, what if, what it's. Let me ask you a different question. I'm Let more concerned if she's sucked out about the chin. And I just think because of the Let way we results, she's going to avoid any kind of like first round haymaker. Let me take a different approach to this. If that is the case, Wayne's don't look great. She doesn't, she looks sickly. She had a tough time making weight, so on and so forth. Does that make you not play entourage if you're looking to? I, I'm always wary about bad weight cuts. Um, I think that... Because- Really, I, in almost any situation, it could so scare I, me off a little bit. I didn't place it when it was at 170 for a reason. The reason being, I need to see the weight cut first. Now that it's back at 200, I still am adamant I need to see the weight cut. If the weight cut's bad, let's say everyone sees it, drops to 180, 170, are you placing it still? That's the question I have. That's the question that the listeners need to know. Um, 
It depends. It, it really just depends on the optics. It's so hard to tell you what I'm going to do based on her looking bad. Cause I haven't seen what that looks okay, like. That's, so, so here's what I'm going to say then to the listeners. I'm going to say, do not place anything on the main event yet. Stay tuned to our socials. Even if you don't even want to follow us, just peek it quick to hear the breakdowns on the different weights, because it is very important that you don't bet this line before the weight cut news comes out. It is, I, I'm, I'm so adamant about that. So stay tuned. I guess it's the best time now to plug everything. Follow us anywhere social media exists at ankle pick pod. We got right, some boys. great content coming down the pipe. We really yeah, do. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. So we got some PFL videos coming. We're going to have different videos up on the YouTube. I'm going to work on the TikTok. Everything's formulating big APP stuff coming. We appreciate every one of you guys who stuck around from the very, very beginning. Country Club, any sort of... Any no sort housekeeping. Of- I got one last piece of breaking news. Oh. Happened about five minutes ago. Mohammed Mokayev prospect booked against charles johnson that's going to be july 23rd awesome that's another one where i'll look i want the open on makayev charles johnson i'm drawing a blank who the fuck is charles johnson uh it's actually his uc debut debut. yeah i'm about to say interim flyweight champion with lfa in 2021 three and zero in the lfa okay yeah, I, so I follow Murdov on uh, Twitter, and he was saying that finally someone stepped up to accept a fight. Apparently, a lot of people have been ducking him. So, breaking. There's break, also a Charles break. Johnson, who's an author from Evanston, Illinois. Poha. So, here's what I'm going to do. For the audio listeners, Danny, hit us with a poha because you're PFL. For the YouTube listeners, I'm going to insert Antonio Carlos Jr. stand for poha for the APP. But Danny, oh, I got to do it in, like, in, in the shoe face style then. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.